Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero. For the workday afternoon, on the phone with me is Mr. Jeff Howie, Strategic Market Analyst for the SGX. It is just the two of us today. Maybe that's the song I should have played before Market View today. To I, just the I, two I, of I us. I think you played too often. That's probably why you didn't. Oh, <laughs> my, maybe I just forgot I even had it. Yeah. No, no, you, I hear you do play it because I, I do listen to your program and I do know hey, hey. <laughs> Nobody asked you to be a music critic on Market View, Jeff. All right, now, coming, um, going into the lunch break, the Straits Times Index was at 2,485, um, down 0.18%. Today's value turnover was a little under 400 million, 336 Six nine. That's actually pretty thin for a Monday. Mm. But uh, what I actually liked was between the advances and decliners, it, w- it wasn't uh, a, a big number. It was 160 advances, 167 decliners. That's not bad for a Monday. Um, and there was there was some movement, and you're going to tell us why. Uh, yeah. AEM was up there in the top advances. So was Top Glove. Why? Yeah, exactly. Look. Um I mean, yeah, we can look at AEM and Top Club, but I think what's been driving uh, all the stocks this morning, Clarissa, it's uh, it's the E-mini S&P 500. So at the end of Friday night, early Saturday morning Singapore time, the uh, E-mini S&P finished that Friday night session essentially flat. However, the after-hours S&P futures, it kicks off in our, uh, in our morning here in Singapore, 6 o'clock in the morning currently. So ever since uh, the S&P futures, the overnight futures, for the U.S. Uh, benchmarks opened at 6 o'clock this morning. It's up around 1.1% and has been gradually increasing uh, since that open, and it did break through the uh, U.S. Friday session's high probably around a quarter past 11 this morning. Now, the key driver for that was some pretty encouraging news by Pfizer CEO um, Dr. Albert Bula, who, who made some comments on CBS's Face the Nation uh, last night, on uh, basically on potential vaccine deployment by the year end, which would of course be subject to FDA approval but anyway it's a, it's a quick six minute interview and it's really easily found on YouTube and mm-hmm. after we after we finish chatting I'll, I'll go and post it on the Money FM Facebook page um, but essentially you know that stock it's it's down 5% year to date um, as global healthcare stocks everywhere have been um, really driven by supplies and uh, devices much more so than pharmaceutical or healthcare services uh, just like we've seen in Singapore and as you say yeah Top Glove has been our most uh, traded stock today um, you know, a big week for Top Glove. It, it, it reports its full year uh, 2020 numbers ending 31st of August on Thursday, and it's had a you know very strong year in that it's it's moved from being outside the top you know let's say 120 Asia Pacific healthcare stocks to just outside the top 30 now, and it's now also ranks as Southeast Asia's biggest healthcare stock by market value. Uh, you know, for, for its uh, nine-month numbers, um, I think its profit after tax had already exceeded the net profits for its uh, FY19 by almost 60%. Now, the key thing for us is it has been ranked our 51st most active traded stock in 2020, and that's incredible because that's that's $4.8 million a day on average in 2020 compared to $27,000 a day back in 2019. So there's been a lot of 
participation in the stock. A lot of, I guess, active traders um, taking uh, advantage to increase their risk to exposure with, um, you know, with their with the intraday trading opportunities and the day trading opportunities and the big swings. Um, but yeah, the, the second most active stock after that is 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 tech. So yeah, it's, it's a familiar story of tech and healthcare. Uh, healthcare. So AM Holdings was the second most active stock and. Um, you know, but it was the end of last week too. I think on, on Thursday night it announced it. You know, its sales orders um, for the FY20 was looking good. Its FY20 revenue guidance, I think it was, it was between 480 million and 500 million for the FY20 ending ending December 31st. And just for context, back in uh, FY19. Um, it achieved revenue of 323 million, so a, a range of 480 to 500. Obviously, quite a bit more than 323, which was also a record year last year. Now, it's not one of our 30 uh, STI stocks, but as you can see, it's been the top second stock traded today after Top Glove, uh, and it it uh, it's basically been our 24th most traded Singapore stock in this year to date. And uh, you know, it, it, it's its momentum has been building up quite for some years. It's it hasn't just been a a big mover this year like the healthcare sector. Uh, it made the Forbes Asia 200 best under a billion for the first time last year, and uh, now has a market value above one billion dollars. So, so that's exactly where we are right now in terms of, I guess, yes, you said the, the the turnover is a little bit thinner than usual, but nonetheless, um, you know, looking beyond the benchmark, some of these big tech and healthcare players have still got uh, quite a bit of momentum or quite a bit of participation in them, as we can see from the turnover counter. But you know, a really big week ahead still. We're, we're early days yet for the week. We've got uh, you know three central banks from the developed world making decisions. So uh, a, lot to, a lot ahead of us. All right. The, the big central banks you're talking about, UK, Japan and the United States, all have meetings this week. Yeah. The, um, look, the, the, the FOMC one's another one of the two days of meetings as well. And I, I guess what makes this one really different is uh, this is the first meeting since Jackson Hole on, what was it, 27th of August. And that's when the Fed said it would seek inflation rate uh, inflation rates that average around two percent, uh, and over 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 a period of time, which would allow some leeway for inflation to either overshoot after periods of undershooting or vice versa. So we know that there's been undershooting uh, in recent years; hence, there was potential for inflation to overshoot somewhat. So, you know, that the broad that that will be important too. The cues that um, come from there in the, a little bit of the policy shift. But also, really important, the broader commentary is going to be uh, important, particularly in that one-hour press conference that, um, you know, is, is usually very early, around 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. in the morning, Singapore time. And that's when the chair, you know, he has been very vocal on the need for fiscal stimulus. And, and for the ECB, Christine Lagarde, I think, was speaking yesterday, also saying fiscal stimulus is, is required um, in in Europe. The ECB can't handle this alone. Um but at the same time, it's, it's going to be really interesting because um, he has been very vocal on the need to U.S. fiscal stimulus to basically complement all the monetary policy measures. But we saw also at the end of last week the U.S. Treasury Department, it, it said it was Friday night, it was on Friday night that the U.S. budget deficit hit a record $3 trillion for the 2020 fiscal year in August. Um, and that's basically because of all the, you know, the, the economic initiatives and rescue packages for COVID-19 um, and also all the failing tax coffers and receipts, um, which is putting a massive strain on, on, the, on the US finances. So um, th- that one's going to be really key on, on uh, very early uh, hours of Thursday morning Singapore time.
All right. You know, Jeff, this, this actually blew my mind when I read it, but we just marked the six months since the uh, WHO declared COVID-19 a worldwide pandemic on March 11th. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's officially six months. We can celebrate an anniversary of this. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't want to celebrate the 12th month anniversary of this. No, we've got to, uh, we've got to keep moving forward. We don't want to be... No, I, think, I think, no, today's the celebration for uh, OPEC. Let's celebrate that. I think it's 60 years uh, since OPEC was formed today. Uh, and uh, obviously... You know, the, the price of crude oil, uh, uh, whether you take it by WTI or Brent, has really uh, taken a, 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 a downward step this year. Yeah, it does. <laughs> price of crude oil does not have a tech sector or a healthcare sector or a consumer staples sector to prop it up per se. It's, it's, it's really a, the, the commodity barometer for global oil. And you've got Brent crude oil near $40 a barrel now. And that, that's, I think it, it did end 2019, uh, Brent crude, at $66 a barrel. So it's, it's off significantly, as most would expect, um, particularly as we know, you just look at the global woes in the transportation sector, which, which has really uh, impacted us here at home as well, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, the, the, the whole story, you can see it in a little bit of an ECG, if you will. If you combine um, the price of crude oil with the price of gold going back for a good 30, 40 years, you can see that price ratio spread. The difference between gold and crude oil has been stretched to um, an outlier you know, ratio in terms of gold being high and crude oil being so low. You know, Jeff, I'm old enough that when I first started working, my first job ever was in a bank and the analyst that was training me to read all those lovely reports said, OK, let's And When we look at oil, if uh, oil prices fall below $100 a barrel, it's all over. Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah, was, that's how long ago. <laughs> so every time I read out the, you know, the Brent crude prices of the day on our finance updates, I always think back to that old analyst and I giggle. $100, if it falls below $100, it's all over. It hasn't been there in a long time. No, I know. And I, I remember, I guess, for, for your listeners who are, uh, I guess you know the the millennials. Yeah, the millennial, the millennials. Um, I think I think that had changed to fifty dollars a barrel by the time they were at uh, university, and obviously it's come down a little bit from there in terms of the the cost price. You yeah, make me feel ancient. <laughs> now, some of the stocks that the Business Times were saying that we should be watching today on the back of new developments um, are some of the property players. Maple Tree Industrial Trust, its manager said today that they're proposing to acquire a data center, an office in the U.S. for between 200 and 262 million U.S. dollars. That's that's actually uh, not a small, insignificant investment. You know, it's not. And they've, they've, this has been consistent over the last few years. Maple Tree Industrial Trust have been gradually increasing the proportion of high-tech buildings and data centres in their overall portfolio. And, uh, and, and the investors like it. And the investors have been snapping it up. The same with Keppel DC REIT. When, uh, when they make the acquisitions, uh, there's usually secondary fundraising through other rights issues or placements. And investors have been... Um, basically on that. And, and it's been working. I mean, Maple Tree Industrial Trust is, 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 is in the SDI now. Um, and it's also been our 20, it's, it's, it's been our 19th most traded stock this year. It's up 24% in terms of total returns. And it's also, um, 
it's also been one of the top 100 performing REITs across the world in the 2020 year to date. Obviously, data centres are uh, are basically serving the tenants that are in the clouds or in the cloud computing, uh, co-location, internet enterprises, and so forth. And you know, it's it's not it's not tech as a whole that's been strong this year. It's not healthcare as a whole that's been really strong this year. It's been segments of these sectors or key industries or key subsectors. So just like we said, healthcare has been driven by uh, supplies and devices much more so than um, healthcare hospital services and, and pharmaceuticals and so forth. The tech sector has been very much driven by internet enterprises. Uh, we've got our iEdge FactSet Global Enterprise Internet Index, and that's uh, that's still up around 50% in the 2020 year to date, despite the uh, sell-offs that we've seen over the past two weeks. So with Maple Tree Industrial Trust's um, latest proposed acquisition, does this mean that there's going to be a continued interest in data centres? Yeah, there, I mean, there has been... This only... Um, data centres is relatively new, mm. um, into, I mean, NARI, I think, only included it as a specific sector before it used to fall under the diversified segments. But it was only a few years back that uh, data centres commanded to have their own subsector. Um, and we're seeing more, I guess, of our REITs as well, uh, you know, across across the broad spectrum of REITs, especially the industrial REITs, looking uh, into, into data centres because, obviously, you know, there's... There's so much need for uh, streaming and internet services now, particularly given um, the force that the you know the big large five uh, internet-related stocks across the world, not just in the US but China, um, particularly the rise of them and, and, and servicing those stocks. You know that, that this, these are the these are the the properties that the the, the specialist type of properties that have the the right cooling measures and the right security to uh, to help these businesses basically grow their grow their customer revenue across the world. All right. One of the other stocks that uh, Business Times highlighted was uh, Keppel REIT because they've just acquired or announced the acquisition of a freehold commercial property in Sydney for 305 million Singapore dollars today. Keppel REIT is up 0.9% right now. Yeah, and it's, it's, it has some... Um, it's performed... You know, it's, it's performed relatively defensive in terms of its total return this year. It's it's uh, it's only down 10%. Uh, so it's it's obviously uh, seen almost only half the declines of the STI, and it has been in the STI reserve list for some time. It's it's quite sizable in terms of its market capitalisation. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it's uh, it's also it's also pretty actively traded. It's a top 40 stock by turnover. Um, and look, it's I guess it is encouraging to see that the acquisitions. Um, are continuing and you know going into 2020 our REIT sector was growing uh, significantly uh, with a number of acquisitions most of them yield accretive that have basically helped grow the sector in Singapore significantly Um, you know that the Keppel REIT's been uh, around for some time as, as as has Maple Tree Industrial Trust and you know they are, I guess, um, examples of how many of our REITs that have been listed for a long time have increased their market value. Um, basically, you know, ac- making new acquisitions, it can, it can increase the size, it increases the, um, you know, the relative size of the REIT, and, um, and therefore it receives more uh, investment, I guess, 
um, or investor attention as it as it as it gets bigger weights in the actual big indices that track the REITs, especially the APRA and REIT. Um, glo- um, global index series, and then um, it also can attract re-ratings when you uh, when you basically are looking at uh, you know making new acquisitions and 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 mergers and so forth. So it's good to see the healthy level of activity in in what's a very big uh, cornerstone for our for our industry. And you know if you look at how the the S REIT sector and all the property trusts have grown over the last ten years, the compound annual growth rate of it it's around fifteen percent. It's it's actually quite phenomenal. Um, and the, as we said, the investors the investors are on board because um, you know the combined REIT sector here in Singapore it's around 12% of our total market cap, but on a day to day basis, trading activity is around 24% of our of our of our day to day turnover here in Singapore. You know, um, and, and and it's busy. I mean, I'm, I, as soon as I hang up with you, I've got to go on to a. Uh, webinar uh, with um, with Epranarit, with uh, Manulife, with Fraser Centerpoint Trust, Manulife US REIT, I should say, and Erpas, and we're going to you know basically discuss a little bit more about the the strong growth of the sector, um, given that the portfolio growth is becoming a key highlight, just as much as you know the traditional low volatility, high yield is of this sector. Well then, Jeff, I'm going to let you go and, and you know, comb your hair and put your makeup on for that webinar. Uh, if you want to find out more about some of the other property stocks that our Business Times highlighted today in that Stocks to Watch page, go read it. It's, it's interesting stuff. On the phone with me today, stra- Strategic Market Analyst Jeff Howie from the SGX. This has been Market View. On Money FM 89.3, I'm Clarissa Montero. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.